So here's what happened as a proud member of the But Why Though podcast community. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of So Here's What Happened. As usual, I'm Nisha. And I'm Carolyn. And we are back to discuss the things that we have watched and read for the month. And things that we honestly think y'all should check out too. So, without further ado, let's just dive in. Um, so... We're doing, oh, I guess we should probably address the elephant in the room. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just I forgot about it that fast after we talked about it. So as y'all know, um, we are currently experiencing COVID-19 here in North America. I don't know how badly it's impacted you up there in Canada, Carolyn. Uh, it's getting, well, like for me, I'm at home. So I was planning, I was going to be home the first mm-hmm. week anyway because of March break, but... Um, the schools are temporarily closed for two for the foreseeable future. It was originally going to be mm-hmm. three weeks in total, but it, as they've listed it, it's for the foreseeable future that the schools are going to be closed. So I'll be inbound. I'm, as you guys know, I have mm-hmm. MS, which means I'm immunocompromised. So I'm not going out unless mm-hmm. I absolutely have to. Like I would have said doctor's appointments, but those have been canceled too. Uh, so unless I have right. to make like an emergency grocery run and I have to go and get medication, which I actually mm-hmm. have to do tomorrow because I need to uh, stock up on my meds. Um, I have to do that tomorrow. But other than that, right. I'm staying indoors watching TV and thank goodness that's something I'm accustomed to doing. So it's not a hardship for me. But uh, but we are still having mm-hmm. extremely stubborn people who are going around outside when they don't need to like people. Oh, my God. Okay. You're I taking a walk even. in the park by yourself, yes, <laughs> but people are still doing group activities. I'm like, you idiots. Just, just, could you just not? I'm like, if you want to die, fine. But my problem is all the people that they're infecting, that's my problem. I, I mm-hmm. have a problem with people infecting think, other people. Like, yeah. I think now people, or at least, you know, there's still the people who don't, who believe it's not that big of a deal or anything, but I think the brevity of it is, I don't know if brevity is the right word, I think the reality of it is starting to crash down on people when people explain to him, like, explain to them, like, what asymptomatic Mm. means, and yes, you may not feel sick, and it may not affect you so much, but in two weeks, it may get worse for you, or you'll infect someone throughout exactly. that whole time when you're not showing symptoms, and then that will have dire consequences. And it's just like, and I mean, granted, yes, I understand that life has to go on and things need to keep moving forward, but now we're in a situation where, like, all non-essential things are at a halt, which means I'm working from mm. home now for the foreseeable future because for those of you who don't know I work in the healthcare industry I'm not a doctor or a nurse so I'm not an essential person but and I have the privilege of being able to work from home however I did just like come from Austin because I had planned to be there for South by Southwest and I have to say like when I was down there we practiced social distancing the entire time and I'm still just like watching it unfold while I was in Austin, girl, I don't think my panic has ever been in at, at its highest. Like how things just kept looking like they kept getting worse and worse and worse. So then I cut my trip short and I'm back here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, like, granted, I think maybe like it was four weeks ago, maybe like a month. No, it was like almost a month exactly ago when we found out, you know, the entire situation with South by Southwest being canceled. 
So that's something that y'all know that y'all remember in the last episode, I mentioned that I was going down to Austin for South by Southwest. Well, it turns out like almost two weeks before it gets, it got canceled because of coronavirus, which they made the right Mm -hmm. call. I just feel like I have to say, and like, we can like wrap things up and not make it too political, but I feel like all this stuff that everyone was doing with canceling events and social distancing should have happened at the end of January. And I think if that had happened, maybe it would, the situation in North America would not have gotten to the point that it is now, just because people did not make it seem like as big of a deal and thing, and people were still moving about and doing whatever. But, you know, I mean, yeah. Well, for me, it's it's the thing because my sister still has to go to work because she works for a bank and the department that Mm -hmm. she works in is like, it's an extent considered an essential service. So like... They, they still have to go to work, but they work in, like, cubicles. They're not separated by partitions, but, like, they're, they're, their desks are still kind of right. by a little bit of a distance from each other. And she has to go to work, but they've cut down hours from... She used to go to work from, like, 8.30 to, like, 5, but now she works 9 till 3. And, and that, that's, to, right. I guess, like, to space out the amount of people traveling on the subway or whatever. Because, like, I always ask her. Every time she comes home, my mom and mm-hmm. I was like, how was the subway this morning? Was it packed? How was the subway this evening when you came home? And like she has asthma, right? Mm-hmm. And so she's so she, yeah, she's uh, an asthmatic, and she's prone to lung infection. So like she is also um, actually high risk. Um, so I'm always telling her, listen, right. watch yourself. Don't don't let anybody come in your space when you're going out. When you if you have to run to the pharmacy, because yep. uh, luckily there's a pharmacy not too far from where she works. I'm like, like if you have to go, if because we, we can get some supplies from the pharmacy, like. Like certain products, um, hygienic products yeah. and stuff. Like go and get those. But and like she got me upset today. I'm like, listen to me, because she was she wanted because she had to go to get medication from a pharmacy. I'm like, get it from the one close to the thing. Why are you going to the mall? I'm like, this is not this is not regulated. Like, and I got so angry with her. <laughs> and I'm like, listen to me. I get it. There's only two of us here. I get sick, and so you to look after me, and you can't look after me because you can't afford to get sick by looking after me. I'm like, listen to me. But yeah, but like so there's this whole thing where you're mm. trying to stay calm, but there's always this sense of anxiety and like you said like this shit like a lot of stuff should have been handled since I would say late January early February but I saw this coming a mile mm-hmm. away because I saw how it was being handled in South Korea and China and Japan. And like, yeah. I saw, and I know how the North American governments work. And I'm like, even for Canada, like, yep. like they, they did things way too late. They, they closed the borders way too late. They, they wait, like our premier, mm-hmm. Ontario's premier, Doug Ford waited way too long to like, send out a mandate for people Girl. to like, stop going out. I'm like, you should have done this like three weeks ago. What? And they were still allowing people to this travel. This was like watching the. This was like watching the contagion, which everyone has been watching. But this was just like watching how contagion uh. unfolded in the movie, and I was just like, "Oh my god, we're living mm. in that movie!" And like, I'm like, I'm not trying to make anyone panic. Panic does no, not help. But it, like, there's a difference between like causing like baseless and uninformed panic versus like have like being anxious and having anxiety about everything that's going on right yes. now like that 
that is completely normal to have anxiety with everything going oh, yeah, for, on right for now. For me, it's all about the but lack just, of common sense that people are exhibiting. I'm like, it's yeah. common sense to wear it. Like, when masks and stuff were available, wear your mask. If you can't wear a mask, just stay away from people. Like, use your hand sanitizer, which is what it was wearing. Hand sanitizer, coming home. As soon as they came home, wiped off the doorknobs mm-hmm. and everything with hand sanitizer, with, with, with um, sanitizing wipes. And then when, when I washed my, wipe, wipe, that, my hands with hand with wipes and then wash my hands. And I even did that at work because I work with kids, so like, I always made sure as soon as I got in to where I went straight and washed my hands everything but my whole thing is just like lack of common sense and a lack of just empathy and calm and like respect and sympathy Mm -hmm. for other people and you people I don't mind if I get it but it's not about just you it's about the people who don't want to get sick that you're going to infect (sighs) oh yeah like I guess I'm very much like and we can start wrap this up but like I was kind of like in the mindset of like I'm not so much scared of getting it I'm scared of spreading it like, I'm scared of, like, if I were to give it to my grandmother, if I was scared to give it to my mother, who's yeah. had pneumonia three times in her life. And all I can think about is just, like, I don't want to get it because I don't want to spread it. And obviously, you still don't want to get it. But it's just, at the end of the day, it's just how this whole situation has been handled and continues to be handled by, you know, certain federal government people in charge of things who don't know what the hell they're doing it does not help us with our anxiety and it's kind of changed the way things are right now in our lives one way and how it's impacted our show is just that and obviously this is a podcast and when we like we do this we we don't make money off of this so i'm I'm saying this as y'all know this but like the entertainment industry as it is right now if it's not streaming it's not getting seen yeah so right now a lot of films have been delayed that impacts a lot of people i'm not talking about celebrities i'm talking about the set designers people who were booked and had jobs on sets like at places like atlanta not just like hollywood but like places that depend on things to be filmed on their location things like that have been impacted but like the one way it impacts our show is that we don't really have any movies to talk about unless they show up on some streamable service that we have so that was kind of like one of the points I was going to let y'all know about this at the beginning of the show is that, I mean, if you're not already aware of, I feel like there's been a few announcements of films that have been delayed, like Mulan has been delayed or recent films have been pushed to go on to streaming services earlier or available for digital mm-hmm. earlier than they had expected. It's just, it's, it's fascinating to see how this virus has impacted different areas yeah. of our lives. I know I'm talking about like kind of a first world problem when I'm talking about entertainment, but I can't help but like look at it and see like how this has affected different, you know, segments of yeah. our lives. Yeah, you know, some people might consider like we'll say like first world problems, but for me it's a bit more personal because like I'm a film critic. Like this is how right. I get the majority of my income mm-hmm. is through writing reviews and doing pieces and interviews. And like I have sent out pitches and no one is accepting or even one of the one mm-hmm. of the sites that I I wrote I write for. Like they were like they can't take any freelance pitches for the time being. I'm like, that was like a gut punch. And most of them send up pitches, I receive no response. And like, if there's no new films coming out there, the last pitches are going to be accepted. And it's just like, and like, luckily for me, I do, I, for the time being, I'm getting, um, uh, like my pay through TDSB, which is the Toronto District School Board, which I work for. Uh, but like, that's the only part time. I only work part time hours. So even then, it's still not enough. And it's like, it's still mm. it's going to be a struggle and yes yeah, so like these things are it's like the ripple effect for this whole thing is is so big and a lot of people aren't getting it 
right but luckily mm-hmm. a few i'm glad you mentioned yeah, that luckily though. a few films are going on to streaming platforms and one of them is one of the is the film that we will talk about first um and mm-hmm. that is invisible man and that came out right. at the, the that came out in the beginning of March. I think it was March eleventh. Um, and so that yeah. was directed by directed and written by Lee Wanell. And so it's based on the novel by H. G. Wells, and it stars Elizabeth Moss, um, Alice Hodge, Storm Reed, Emily Dwyer, and Oliver Jackson Cohen. And I really enjoy this film. It's not perfect, but it's it's pretty darn is pretty darn mm-hmm. good and it's super entertaining and everyone is talking about Alice Hodge and his amazing muscles and he is a snack in this film. I'm like God bless the <laughs> costume designer. She made sure his 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 suits cuz he he's a cop and he and well he's a he's a detective oh. so he wears like you know shirt and tie and and sweats and stuff when he's home. I'm like God bless the costume designer cuz they made sure those things fit him to perfection. We deserve to see that man in more things like was it leverage? I think he was on leverage. Yeah, he was on leverage. And he was also in underground. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Black Mirror a few yes. times. He was in and actually one of my favorite Black Mirror episodes. Yeah. Um, but yes. Yeah, the one with the with the stuffed monkey. Yes, I actually have that gift saved that on my phone. Black Museum. Yes, Black Museum. But um, <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. But uh, yes. Uh, yeah, no, it's really good. And so I'll, I'll just go off with the basic premise. So this one is, mm-hmm. so it's about this woman who's in an abusive um, marriage um, with her husband, Adrian. And so he is a Silicon Valley tech. So he developed this, this outfit, which basically makes him invisible. And the way it does this is this is tech that we've seen mm. mentioned many, many, many times in sci-fi films, whereas that you have cameras, like hundreds of cameras, small cameras, who pick up the, pick up the images of everything around you. And what they do is they feed back, they, they feed the image back in an outlay. In a, um, so it creates a barrier so that you can't see any, you can't see the person in front of you because the image you're seeing is the image of the things around you. So it's pretty simple tech. Um, he built this suit and he she manages to get away from him. But he's a freaking psycho and he refuses to let her go. Mm-hmm. So he fakes his death and from there on shit gets real quick. And 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 you know it's just the mm-hmm. whole thing no one believes her. They all think she's under stress or whatever because they're like, he's dead. He can't be alive. And I'm like, whatever. And it's really good. You know, we, I would normally say, oh, we don't want to spoil it. But like, come on, people. Like, we have seen this this kind, this kind of film already. And we know the plot and everything. We know what's going to happen. But the way how a lot of the plot unravels is super interesting. And Lee Wanell did a fantastic job with how he... Um, creates different scenarios that really ratchet up the tension. So if you know Lee Wanell, he he's the writer of and director of the Insidious and Saw film. So like he did Saw with um, James Wan. I would kind of say that's kind of like his creative... Um, he's his, their creative partners because they went to the same film school in Australia. And... Um, but he's he's real. I haven't no. I haven't seen any of the Insidious films or Saw films. I am not a body horror person, so I have never seen any of the Saw films. Mm-hmm. But what he's done in this film has actually made me interested in seeing the Insidious films. And I think I've heard that one or two was the best one because how much? I think there's three Insidious films and there's like four Saw films, something like that. Yeah. Yes, I like two the best. 
I think it's two that I like the best. Yes. So but I've never. It's yeah. Been a while. So I'm interested in watching um, uh, Insidious because of that, and also he mm-hmm. he's also an actor, so he's starred in a lot of different films. So I think that actually does always help when you have a director who is an actor because they know how to like. Play, mm-hmm. they know where to place the cameras and like how to focus and how to get per- performances out of actors and Elizabeth Moss is amazing in, mm-hmm. this, in this film like her the way how her character slowly apparently seems to devolve into like she's not going she's not going crazy but like her emotional state starts to break down but then like the way she does right. it and then there's moments where you're realizing ah okay so she's not fully breaking up but then she's starting to do and then but she's starting to hold herself together so Elizabeth Moss did a fantastic job she kind of reminds um, I, I would actually That's compare awesome. her performance and um oh my gosh the name just slipped my head um so she the actress that was in the night house which started which um premiered at Sundance and uh, th- mm. th- their performances are really really good and it's about these how these two women are in these two situations where like everything around them is like seems like a threat and another thing with the, with the film that mm-hmm. I really enjoyed is atmosphere so he does a really great job of building up the atmosphere and the tension with the score and also the production design by Alex Holmes I have to mention the production design because the the houses a lot of the set a lot of the the, the film takes place within not confined spaces but in houses like places you're supposed to feel comfortable and the way how they use the design and architecture of the two main houses which is the house where Cassie played by Elizabeth Moss lived with Adrian and then the other house lived and um, that she stays in with James and his daughter Sydney played by Alice Hodge and Star Reed like the aesthetics for the two mm-hmm. are extremely different like the first house is very right. um stark and and very minimalist and has like a lot of sharp angles and like concrete and like glass and everything you know like one of those like homes owned by people with way too much friggin money and then (laughs) oh yeah like i call those the um the glass houses because of that movie the glass house like i just i also i anytime it's like a square and giant windows Mm -hmm. and it's concrete and marble I just think exactly. of the glass house. And like we all know they do that is because those kind of those kind of um houses kind of, like with depending on how they're decorated can give you like a feeling uh-huh. of cold and like they're very austere and they're cold and you don't make you feel comfortable, right. which is very intentional for set design. But then the second house mm-hmm. is like a regular house. You know, there there's comfy comfortable furniture, like there's you know, it's a regular house. Like how your our house will look at everything, and but the way right, like exactly, soft. but the way how the they, but the way how the cinematographer, um, I want to look up their name. I had it thing. Um, uses just lighting and lighting and the sound and the camera work and the angles that they use like makes you feel tension like in the house that you're not supposed to feel uncomfortable in it makes you feel uncomfortable and there's these things where the camera focuses mm-hmm. on like space and you're like you're there's they came a point in the film i was like he's there i can't see him but i know the bastard is right there and that's like how the cat that's how cassie right. feels because she's like she's like i can see him like she's not saying i can see him, but she's like he's there and i said like, because she like she kind of developed a six sense to like feel him because she like he just mm. gives her like this uncomfortable feeling so even if she can't see him she's like I know you're there bastard I just know you're there and like there's a point in the film I'm like this right. bastard is right there you can't see him but he's there and like it does a really great job of like 
playing mind tricks on you, the audience, because you yourself are starting to think, am I going crazy too? But I'm like, no, no, no. I was not going mm-hmm. crazy. I can see him there. Cassie, I got you. I can see him too. <laughs> um, but it's really good. Um, there, I, I will say it's not perfect. The reason I say it's not perfect is because there are some plot holes, a lot, some things that happen that legit don't mm-hmm. make any sense. I'm like, what is going on here? did we not like did not anyone look at this to say yeah we need to figure this out because some things don't make sense and there are things that are that have that allow the plot to develop and to go forward because if these things weren't plot holes the film wouldn't work but like that bothers me because i'm like mm-hmm. it needed it needed to be tighter because it's like i can't i can only right. suspend my disbelief so far and oh yeah yeah like i feel that way ever since i saw knives out mm. I feel like no plot hole. Like, I mean, I'm sure if maybe if I watch it a third time, I'll try to find a plot yeah. hole. But it's just like the way it's like the way they, the lengths they go to like make everything yes. fit. But then like you're so busy on like the story and the plot that you don't really see a plot mm. hole. But then like it's because like the detectives are showing you there's a hole inside, inside, inside of the hole. Donut it's hole. a donut. <laughs> yeah. But that's, and that's, <laughs> but like, I, I just. No, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, no, no but there, ahead. there's times where the plot hole is intentional, and it, and it, there are characters who are saying like, mm-hmm. this doesn't make sense, and I'm like, I don't mind that because I just said that's one of the things about the charming things about Nights Out is because they're like legit, like the characters um, played by uh, Daniel Craig and. Mm-hmm. Lakeith Stanfield they're they're legit like this don't make no sense something's wrong here like this plot like they're literally lines where they're like Mm -hmm. this plot has has a plot hole let's figure it out and it makes sense but with this film with Invisible Man it's like no it but it doesn't Mm -hmm. take away from enjoying the film but it's just things you're like just a moment here did no one come back and think about this but as I said does not take away from the jump at the film um there are a lot of nods uh, not a lot but there are a few nods to the 2000 film Hollow Man which was which is also an adaptation mm-hmm. of the of um Invisible Man and that one was starring Kevin Bacon so there right. are a lot of like there are like I think probably like, I would say from ones that I picked up from my first film because I want to see it once probably like four or three or four nods to the in, to to Hollow Man, and I thought they were hilarious, and um, but yeah, it's a really good film. It's streaming on Hulu. I think it's Hulu now because it's one of the films that was that premiered in mm-hmm. the cinema, and because of COVID nineteen, um, some films are being streamed on like platforms like on Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime, I think. Um, but yeah. Invisible Man is on Hulu now and like it was getting pretty good buzz on Twitter but I would say watch it for a good time watch it if you like tension like the score is really good the so the costume designer is Emily Saracen Saracen like thank you Emily Saracen for what you did for Alice Hodge <laughs> um, and the cinematographer is Stefan Ducio like thank he did a really good job with the cinematography and the score is really good too score is by um, Benjamin Wildfish and yeah, it's a really good film. And yeah, so that's it for Invis Women. Nice. I like it. So uh, I honestly had been banking on seeing a lot of movies at South by Southwest like, mm-hmm. that I could talk about, but that did not happen. So instead, I'm going to just like share two quick manga reviews that will be coming up. My full reviews will be out on um, Did You Have To? Not Did You Have To. That's another <laughs> podcast. Dang it. on but why though on the website and I think I might have mentioned these before 
Um, but now these are like the volume one releases from this media. So the first one is called Blue Flag. Um, and basically the premise is that love is already hard enough, but it becomes un- an unnavigable maze for unassuming high school student Taishi Ichinose and his shy classmate Futaba Kuze. Mm-hmm. When they begin to fall in love with each other after their same sex best friends have already fallen for them. <laughs> so, Drama. Yeah. D- girl, it's like so much drama and but like i guarantee y'all after if you read the first volume and you keep reading by the end of the first volume you will be ready for volume two because it's like i just want to appreciate i have so much appreciation for the author and the like sheets they wrote in they wrote in drew and drew it um they go by like one single name kato um and that's k-a-i-t-o um oh kato on the cover of volume kato huh Kaito, sorry. Um, so on the cover of Volume 1, you see the three main characters, which is really just like Taishi, and then you have Futaba, and then you have Toma. Toma is the best friend to Taishi, who's in love with him. But when you start off reading it, and this is no big spoiler, because literally it's written on the back of the book that he's in love with him. Um, you don't really get much indication. So if you were to just randomly come across it and start reading it, you don't really get that indication mm. right away. But on the cover, this is my favorite thing of what the <laughs> artist does. They're standing in a triangle. Get get like a mm-hmm. love triangle. So it's like, but, okay, so in the on the cover, the girl is looking at the guy that she has a crush on. And as you read, you learn that Taishi... Become, starts to get a crush on the girl that he's helping who has a crush on his best friend. However, if you pay closer attention to the best friend, Toma, and look at where his eyes are looking, they're looking at Taishi. He, and that gives you a huge foreshadowing that he is in love with him. And it's just like, it's the situation of like, Taishi has no idea that his friend, his best friend is in love with him. They've been childhood friends all their lives. Um, he comes off as first as like, you think he's going to be like this annoying, like, you know, high school, undetached. He's not very popular. He doesn't really like being involved with a lot of people. He doesn't have a lot of friends, but the friends he does have, he has a good friend. But like when he meets Futaba, who is the girl that has a crush on his best friend, he starts to fall for her when he genuinely just wanted to help her. Um, and he starts to... I like that the perspective of this romance story is told from a male mm. perspective. And I feel like it's deeper than what we get from some manga that's romance manga. Because um, I don't think the characters are given much depth all the time. Like, usually, you're given a little depth and maybe there's something traumatic about their history or they were neglected by their parents or they don't understand what love is. Whereas, like, you get to sit and process through... Taishi's jealousy and not just for like being jealous of Futaba's feelings for his friend but his jealousy of his Mm. friend for being popular and everyone always being like around him um and it's kind of like wow he's just like dealing with a lot I feel like this is just a really well done take on the teenage love triangle trope and I just feel like all the characters are given the opportunity to be shown in a multi-dimensional way Mm. but drama because also it's like a it's like a lo- i can't even call it like a love square when you introduce the other person who's in love with futaba her best friend masumi but i would say it's like if you take two triangles and you lay them over on top of each other and it's just 
the intersections yeah. and it's drama. You know what it sounds like? <laughs> a Thai BL. A Thai BL mm-hmm. drama, which is um Thai they call them BL drama, which is like boy love. Um and it yeah. sounds just like that. I swear I can guarantee, give this like three, four years, this is gonna be a Thai drama. Well, there's is gonna be you know what? Because they do adapt the Japanese mangas into these shows. Um mm-hmm. but J- Japan might probably do one, but because they've done a few. But I can totally see this plot being a, a BL drama or fan fiction. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, I wonder if someone has written fan fiction for this already. <laughs> girl a bit this has been out for a while in japan um so i can guarantee there's probably a bunch of fan fiction for you Mm -hmm. to dive right into the thing is we don't know how taishi will feel about his best friend being in love with him yet that hasn't like he still has no idea by the end of the first value it's it's so much like a tight beyond drama because this kind of drama this is this is like the this is the kind of drama that legit feeds Uh, yeah it's so it's so much drama and it's just done so well like and the art is nice to look at and i like that how the artist balances you know like lightheartedness with drama mm. and like intense scenes because like by the end of the first volume um futaba's best friend masumi confronts toma about his feelings for his best friend and she reveals to him that she is in love with futaba mm. And, and you think, like, when I was reading it at first, I'm like, oh, maybe, you know, like, this could be the beginning of them being able to, like, like, bond with one another and, like, knowing that, because to our knowledge, there's no other students at the school who are gay, so maybe they don't know if there's anybody at the school who can relate to what they're feeling. And, like, at first, I think the exchange is like, oh, well, maybe they can, like, you know, they can become each other's confidants and they can start talking about their feelings with each other. And no, because basically she's jealous of him for having Futaba's um, attention, and he's angry at her for knowing his secret, and she's and he's scared that she'll tell his best mm-hmm. friend. So I'm just like, I, I kind of just wanted y'all to be there for each other, but I also see that y'all do not like they're each other teenagers, now. Like, so, they're not going to think that far ahead. Like, they're teenagers. <laughs> oh no. Oh no, they're not. But the drama, it's so good. Um... My other manga review that the full review will be out on, but why though, is called Komi Can't Communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is volume six. And I've read the other volumes and it's just, it's so good. And this one is also a, a romance comedy manga. So not as much drama. I would say light drama, but it's very cute. So basically the premise is socially anxious high school student Shoko Komi's greatest dream is to make some friends, but everyone at school mistakes her crippling social anxiety for cool reserve. Luckily, she meets Tadano, a timid wallflower who decides to step out of his comfort zone in order to help her achieve her goal of making 100 friends. So, like, literally, this girl has... I don't want to call it resting (laughs) bitch face, but, like, people assume she is just, like... Her regular face is just like so cool and reserved and refined when actually she just cannot work up the like courage to talk to people at all. Like her social anxiety, like she's able to go throughout life, like go outside and go to school and do schoolwork, but she never says a word. So that's how bad her social anxiety is. But one day she's able to like reveal that she has that she struggles with communicating with people to this boy in her class and their friendship just starts off that like genuine that 
he wants to help her become more comfortable with communicating with others and making friends because she feels like a lot of people like me and admire me, but I don't have many friends. So she feels very isolated because of her anxiety and inability to communicate well with others. Like, has never, like, this girl has not said a word this entire manga. Everything she does and communicates is by writing it down. <laughs> like, it takes her forever to work up the courage to be able to talk on the phone. And then, even then, it's just, like, very small. Hi. Like, that's it. It's just. And it's just adorable, and it's cute, and I just love their friendship, but you know there's romance that comes eventually, and it's just like now at this point, in, in volume six, they're starting to recognize their feelings for, well, they're not recognizing their feelings for one another, they're recognizing that they themselves have feelings for each other, but they're oblivious to the other one having feelings yeah. for them. And so it goes. It's just so cute. So, I love it. That sounds fun. Um, but, because, like, let me see. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think any of the... We have... But that's, uh, um, that's kind of almost... I wouldn't say a trope, but, like, a character trait. For a lot of, like, manga, mm-hmm. I would even say... Um, particularly Japanese and Chinese um, characters in the fact that... Especially for the whip for right. girls, there's all, they're always, like, kind of socially mm-hmm. awkward and, like, super shy around the guys and, like... It's like yes, there are a lot of people like that, but then it's also like, is is this is this way of kind of like, what's the word I want to say? I don't want to say infantilizing, cause that's not the right term, but it's this way of kind of like, re like reinforcing the whole women are demure and <laughs> kind of like you know what I mean, and I, I so I would say. And, oh, so and yeah, it's good to like depict characters that are that do suffer social anxiety. But when it's when it's so common and you see them and you're like, oh my gosh, like all women are not like this. All girls, yes, there's being shy and socially anxious, but there's a way of making them seem. Yeah, I said demure, but just like this idea of femininity, and I think that actually feeds into. I think that's where a lot of these tropes and these character traits come from. Mm-hmm. I think the art, the creator uses that as a way of how people, how the public around her interpretates her. Like, you know, like so refined and so elegant. And like, to a point she is, but then it's like, once you really get to, she's like, no one really knows me. And it's not like she's putting on an act. And I wouldn't say like the artist is doing it in a way that, um, like you said, infantilizes her, I can't talk, or sexualizes her, but I think maybe they're using that trope and how the people around her sees her, but the whole point is that we're understanding, like, she's not, like, this quiet, you know, stereotype of how girls are, it's just that people don't get to know her, mm-hmm. and, like, and all, of the, they don't get to know her until, like, you finally, you get to know yeah. her more also. Um, I also feel like they actually, I think, do a good job of explaining what social anxiety is and, like, how it's different for different people. Um, like, everyone's is not always mm-hmm. the same. Like, she can't, she barely, she doesn't even talk at home to her family. Like, she communicates with them, but not verbally. So, and it's also shown that her dad doesn't talk so much either. Like so, mutism. there's no, I'm, what I want to know is, like, if there's a reason 
why she doesn't communicate or why she can't communicate like if like if there's something deeper but maybe it's just that this is just how she's been and it's just an anxiety that she's had yeah, all her it life sounds, it sounds a bit um, like selective mutism where um and this is very mm-hmm. predominant there's predominant in like children in particular where like they just it's not mm. like they're on the spectrum on the autism spectrum I think they, right. some some kids like they just don't talk like there were and there was a little girl at the school that I work at she I was I was with mm-hmm. her for from first yeah she, for her first for first grade from no kindergarten to first grade and she she was a selective mute in the fact that she could not mm. be bothered to say anything because her mom would be like yeah she says something she feels it but most of the time she'd be like I can't be bothered to say nothing to you. I don't feel like saying anything, so I just won't. And right. she didn't say anything for, like, the first year at all. Um, and she only... Mm. And then eventually she started to, like, communicate with me. And the teacher started with, thought it was kind of funny. I'm like, yeah, because they could... And, like, even though they're trained for that kind of stuff, I they would be like, how come she's talking to you? I'm like, because... I'm just me <laughs> not kidding but not kidding but like eventually she started right. to break out of her role and like and, and and she when they see her running around on the playground now I'm like this is the same little girl that would not say a word word for anyone and all she every time I see her she's talking to her friends and everything mm-hmm. and some people are like that they just don't feel like talking that is interesting like and like thank you for sharing that because I think maybe that's that's something that like even in this book she doesn't communicate with everyone the Mm. same like obviously you can tell that she communicates with her family in her own way um she communicates with the boy that she meets and like reveals her secret too i think she it's easier for her to communicate with him than it is to communicate with others right off the bat and but it's like these things were like when she becomes more comfortable as the series goes on People, I, I, what I do like a lot is that people accept the way that right. she communicates. No one's forcing her to talk. No one's making her like just say something, just do something. Like everyone is accepting of how she's communicating, and respect her respects her boundaries. Yeah, that way. and that's and that's the thing. Just like if this is how she prefers to talk, just do it because like it's not a hardship for you. If she wants to talk mm-hmm. by writing. She wants to communicate by writing. Then do it. It's not that hard. Yeah. Exactly. So again, another one that I think is cute. It's lighthearted. It's and it's funny. Um, it's some. I would say, I say light drama. Light light drama right now. But I feel like the drama will ramp up. Um, but yeah, those are my two manga reviews. And with that, you ready to dive into our two shows that we yes. want to discuss? Cracks, shoulders, and knuckles. Let's get into this. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, let's do Castlevania mm-hmm. first. So I have the premise pulled up. Um, Castlevania Season 3 takes place after Trevor led Team Belmont in defeating Dracula and pre- preventing his undead army from destroying Wallachia. But there are other villains still in the mix, such as the myth the vampire the i guess is it vampirus yes vampirus slash general carmilla mm-hmm. um and yeah that's just a brief overview because season three is a lot it is <laughs> i will say on it's many levels on the horror on the gore and on the horniness of it all <laughs> Oh, um, no, I haven't even finished but, season three. I knew it was. You legit just said that. And I'm like, horniness. And then I remember, oh, wait, yeah, I stopped at the middle of season episode yeah. nine, which is where I know apparently a lot of horniness goes down from in season nine. And I'm like, what is this? But yes, we can still talk about it because I love what I saw yeah, so girl. far. But yes. Okay, so what episodes did you 
episode nine, like halfway through episode nine. And I I swear to God, I honestly thought I was finished, but then you mentioned the horniness and I'm like, no, I think I had like two episodes to go. I got distracted uh, by a lot of TV Okay, questions. I'm gonna leave that. I'm gonna let you get to those, and we won't dive into it that much. But I'll just say, like, yeah, season three is horny uh, mm, as hell. From season nine on, um, from, mm, but I want you to mm, from episode nine. Mm, yeah. I want you to go right into that. Um, mm. But yeah, so you're at season nine. So yeah, you are like right. You're wrapping up the end of season yes. three. Then I mean, episode I, nine. I, you're wrapping I, I up what season three. Okay. I know what happens because I I really like spoilers and yeah. that kind of stuff. It's just I haven't seen it, but I know what happens. Wink, wink. Oh yeah, but I want you to experience those mm. scenes with, through eyes. I don't have to describe them, but we can talk about the other things. Like th- again, I just have to throw my hat off, and if I had a wig, I'd throw my <laughs> wig off to the team at Powerhouse Animation. Y'all do the damn thing every season with Castlevania, yes. and the fact that this show started off as just four episodes in season one, yes, and then was just like such a craze. And then we got season two, and I was just like, I was just so grateful we got mm. season two after like what felt like it felt like five years. I think it was two mm. years. Um, and now we got season three after one year. So I'm just like, I, I don't think there's been an announcement for season four, but I just need it to come out soon because I need to see what happens. But anyways, I just I love the work that the that powerhouse animation team yes. does, um, especially with the action scenes. It just this season felt like it was on a whole new level. I, I don't know how you felt about them. No, uh, I, I have I to agree. This season was better than the first two seasons. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, this is one of these situations where I left, I I left like the seasons equally, but for different reasons. Kind of how I felt about Altered Carbon. Like right. I left season one and season two of Altered Carbons, but for different reasons. Um, mm-hmm. And same thing for this. I think episode season three is definitely the better written and directed episode. Like the episodes are so well written. The dialogue. I want to speak to the writers mm-hmm. and the directors, um, Sam Dietz and Adam Dietz, because technically it has three um, three directors but Sam Wan, Spencer Wan only worked in season one mm-hmm. in season two sorry but um, Sam Dietz and his brother mm-hmm. Adam Dietz they were the di- directors for season three mm-hmm. and as we know Warren Ellis um, is the writer right. and the creator of the show and I love Castlevania so much mm-hmm. yes it has a whole bunch of gore and even for an animated film mm-hmm. even for animated show and like as I said I'm not a body horror kind of person there are some scenes I'm like oh gosh ew, gross um, but mm. it's really well written the characters are way more fleshed out this season which I really really enjoy and and the thing with right. this show it is progressively getting better whereas for live action shows there's many live action shows where they progressively get worse and and mm-hmm. like I like when animated shows can show how de- how well developed you can how you can get full fully fleshed out characters in an animated yeah. show and like um, Castlevania is one of them I would have said Voltron up until season 4 yeah they, they just oh, yeah. messed up everything after that but um but yeah this scene like I would have to say of course everyone's favorite character this season is Isaac played by Ade Tokumbo uh, McCormack like yes. applause to you sir applause my hat Tip my hat everything. everything I just I feel Isaac on a spiritual level when he is just like that scene that I keep posting that meme where he's like when y'all ask me why I ended humanity and yeah, I'm paraphrasing yeah. here it's because you're so fucking, fucking rude. rude. And I'm like, yes! a king, 
<laughs> like we love the him. Point. And it's just, just the man was like, I, every yes. time he gets someone reasons with him and say, give humanity a chance, and he's like, you know what? Maybe you're right. Yes. Teach them. Like the captain, he was like, okay. The captain was literally like, have you tried telling them mm-hmm. how to be better? And he's like, you know what? That never occurred to me. And he had the whole idea of he said, I'm gonna try and take my knowledge and my real thought for humanity to be better and try and teach people. And then these idiots on the pier will be like, no, yeah. can't he pass? And I'm like, bitch, let the man pass. What? Like he's not staying. Leave He's not staying there. He's not there to wreak havoc. He's not there to kill anyone. He just wants to go and be about his business. And they're like, no. I'm like, well, shit. You're going to die now. I'm like, he's like. Y'all all going to die. That's it. Like, all you had to do was leave that man alone. And let him walk on past with his army of zombies. Just like, just let him do it. And he was like, Mm -hmm. he was like, imagine that. I'm like, imagine that is right. Well. (laughs) Yes. And I just, I just love it. Like, there's so much of Isaac this season that I was just happy I got. Mm. Because in the second season when he comes on board, it's that thing where you think like, and I, it's because you've seen it. We've all seen it when it comes to like characters mm. of color and me speaking with like we're black characters specifically in mind. I, I have that fear of like, are we going to get more from this character or it, are they just there to serve for this yes. plot's purpose for like this part of like the plot? So I'm really glad that like we came back to Isaac. I mean, towards at the end of season two, you know, he was going to play a role in yes. season three, but I had, I just feel like I got so much. Much more than what I had even asked for for the season like to have moments where it's just Isaac by himself multiple times he has his own plot line in the se- in the season and it's just it's nice and like to your point of like how the season was written I know it jumps around a lot but it was done in such a really well way yeah you, you don't get lost in the dialogue and the thing is with this show is very wordy like there's a, like there there's a lot of heavy mm-hmm. dialogue and like when I say wordy like I mean like legit there's a lot of heavy. words <laughs> I'm like if, I'm sure if you to yeah. see the scripts for each character is like they're actually a substantial amount of like dialogue for each character and for Isaac I would mm-hmm. say like he has a he has a good amount of dialogue and that's one thing I really appreciate with this show is like each character has their own character their own story they're all interwoven but like you get time to spend with yeah. each of them and with Isaac the reason I really appreciate it with him is because his character like this show sp- speaks about religion a lot and about Christianity and not only yeah. just about Christianity but the way people look for purpose through religion and belief and faith mm-hmm. and like, they discuss it very well in this show and it's, I would say this show would be a great mm-hmm. um, uh, would be a great foundation for a thesis on, on, on faith and religion and and I like this, I would I want to speak to the writers of this show so bad I want to speak to to um, to I want to speak to Warren Ellis so bad about the dialogue in this show because like, I'm a Christian and the thing is I've, I've, mm-hmm. I I study religious knowledge in secondary school which is where we study different religions and like, different religious practices and mm-hmm. there's so much stuff that they discuss in the show that I'm familiar with or that I've heard of and I'm like oh it's so deep and like just the whole thing of, and then there's this whole conversation yeah. where they talk about um, about hell and they talk about God and the devil and, and, mm-hmm. and evilness and good and everything and I'm like yes you don't even have to r- just wreck it around religion religion you just have to think about this the state of humanity and con- and the and the conscience yeah. of man and how man is able to willing to do certain things uh, like heinous things for certain things and I'm like mm-hmm. uh, for instance okay so I kind of see like there's a kind of like a parallel between um, Dracula and Alucard and and even Hector mm-hmm. and and Isaac and what's his face 
Thanos. So now the difference, the, the so, thing is that they, these, these, these characters, well, I'm going to take Alucard out of this one. These three, these four characters, so Dracula, um, Isaac Hector, want to destroy humanity. Thanos mm-hmm. wants to do the same thing. But they're, and they kind of have almost the same ideal, ideology where the fact like these, like for the better of the world itself, Earth, humans need to be wiped out. Mm. Whereas for Thanos, it was like wipe out half of the universe for the universe to, well, beyond that, he didn't really have any other reasoning. Um, but you could, right, to exactly, save it or but whatever. you could kind of understand where Drak and Heather are going for because they're like humanity, like, we trash. We do. We do some. We've done some shitty things, and we keep destroying the world. And the world would keep thriving without us. And like you could kind of see his well, reasoning. Just, not that you agree with it. Not that you yeah. agree with it. Because like the captain says, you have to oh, teach no, no, them. No. But you could cut you. His their reasoning makes sense. Their logic makes sense. Whereas mm-hmm. for Thanos, his didn't make sense because if he had the power to destroy half the universe, he had the power to expand it and make mm-hmm. it better and give resources. And he did not right. do that. Which no one ever challenged him on. Which I guess that's the thing. So, like, it's just to... It's Hector. Hector is more... He's totally with the plan, but he's not with destroying all of humanity. Hector sees that there are some people, and he feels like, you can't wipe out Mm -hmm. all of humanity. Like, how will you do that? Like, don't the vampires need something to eat? And, like, does everyone deserve to die? But then you have Isaac, and you have Dracula, and Dracula's just hurt, Mm. and he wants everyone else to feel hurt and pain, so he does not care if everyone dies. And he becomes truly apathetic towards the, like, in all, for all of the season, honestly. And it's just like, he just doesn't give a damn. And he wants everyone to die and feel pain because some humans killed his wife. So all humans are terrible and bad. And Isaac is like in the camp of humans are trash and terrible and bad. And if we just got rid of them all, that would make the world better. But like, to your point, he comes to the realization and I think you're at episode nine, so I don't know if you've gotten to the part where he is approaching that tower. That's yet. where I. That's where I. I, I had stopped watching because we were doing the okay. live tweet, and I kind of, I kind of stopped there. Um, but, but mm-hmm. yeah, but like, no, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say that is the thing with Isaac, where he comes to the realization, like from his discussion with the captain, and then his discussion with that woman, that I think he realizes that he can probably. It's not about so much saving people for him, but it is very much his realization of like, I could change people, which it's not like change them for good. It's more like I can at least make them not be assholes and be rude. Yeah. But at least that's like kind of what I get from it. And it's like power. Like he he's truly coming into his own power. Like, yes, he wants to carry out Dracula's plan. But he, I think he also sees the benefit of being able to rule and be a king. Mm. And, and the thing, the difference between Hector and Isaac is H- Hector himself is kind of Im- immature. And he and, and yeah, he, he's yeah, like he is. He's very, he's very immature and naive. Even the fact that he blindly believed everything that Dracula was saying. And that's how he was able to be tricked by, <laughs> uh, by Carmen and then there's a whole thing with Lenore and I mm-hmm. hate I'm honest I'm gonna be dead be honest I'm gonna be blunt honest I hate what where, from where I stopped what they're doing with his character and Lenore and and the reason I hate this mm. and the reason why I hate what this so much is because he's basically enslaved they literally have him chained like a dog and and like oh, yeah. and he's, he's a, slave. a slave and they're they're using 
and she's and Lenore is she's she's talking about she's a diplomat she's like I want to find solutions for both mm-hmm. me and the other person but you can't have you can't have compromise mm-hmm. with someone that you're enslaving the power structure it's is not, not there, there. The, 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 yeah. the power dynamic is completely uneven he has no power and yeah. she's like I can give you something and well, they don't see him as a they only see him for tool. what he can do like they don't that's the only power he, he he's has he's a tool but the reason I hate this is because right I like I, I always kind of like I, I personally have this thing as you know because we're black women and I have this thing with you know with slavery and I I hate to see mm-hmm. any kind of character in fiction or even or any person like where oh, yeah. they are enslaved and they're forced to be in, to do something against against their will but then you have the enslavers mm-hmm. using psychological manipulation trying to tell them this is what you really want you right. have power in this I'm like bitch no he does not because you have a little chain around his mm-hmm. neck you're keeping him in in a in a in a cage and I do have to say it's brilliant the way how they execute it is because I the reason why I said the writing for the show is so brilliant and the fact I hate it but like the way how she, her character is so smartly written like you see how she's gradually manipulating mm-hmm. him like she starts up by off by coming into his room and like you know like she adds a, a, a she adds she gives him hay to lie down on and then she gives him a blanket and then she's like, I'm gonna give you shoes and then I'm gonna mm-hmm. give you your shirt and like each of those little things is showing is like is 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 show her being a diplomat she's like I'm Give you something and you haven't given me anything yet aren't i benevolent and that's why i gotta pray i gotta let hands up again to the writing mm-hmm. but i hate it um uh, i i and oh, yeah, no, I, she's not someone <laughs> no, oh, sorry, and, and, and 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 i it's i just i just hate to see like this like that whole kind of thing in like period so yeah. but also because it's being so well written that's also why I hate it which is I always say anytime that I can hate something and there's a reason for it that shows extremely good Mm -hmm. writing and also I would say voice acting too the actress that plays that does the voice work for Lenore her name is um oh wait I just had it there where did it go my computer um, her name is Jessica Brown Finley. Now I always have we always have to praise mm-hmm. voice acting because it's extremely hard, and they do a lot of they carry they carry their characters right. through through by their voice alone, and like you you hear how she does like certain vocal inflections where she um like you you can hear her like her the way she's manipulating him and the way she's doing her voice. So like yeah. pray, like again applause to her and the whole cast. But that's I I'm really mm-hmm. hoping that. Because I, I think the story is going to carry over into se- season four. I'm hoping that Hector wises yeah. up and realizes realizes that he really needs to like come into his own and find his own. And I'm like, I I know he's going to be back mm-hmm. up with um with Isaac, but I need him to be able to stand on his own and like I want him to have a come to Jesus moment with Lenore. He'd be like, listen to me, you blood sucking heifer, you got to die. I just need to have that moment with him where he just like shove the stake through her heart and be like watch just die and burn in the sun um <laughs> i mean and it's like it, you're right it's so conflicting because like you hate her but then like i love how she is written mm-hmm. and like the plot and how it's done because like no offense we all knew this was going to happen we all knew she was going to manipulate him and i think it's a thing where like i can't remember much like detail from hector's you know past i mean it's very lightly touched on but you can tell that he comes from an upbringing where people did not accept him and he just is looking for love people like he he was shunned for humanity for his gifts as a forge master um and well like his i think it's just like that scene where like he brings home the reanimated dog and his mom and his mom's reaction and then and then they there's like the 
there's this scene then like Dracula comes and visits him and Hector explains that he likes mm. being alone away from people um, because people and it's kind of like the hinting at like people don't understand him um, and it's kind of like that thing where I think Hector wants to be loved yes, and accepted he, he's looking for a mentor and he he, he craves, craves a mentor he craves he's the mm-hmm. kind of person that, that likes having an authority figure in his life yes. which is why he he gravitates toward which is why he's so susceptible to what Lenore is telling him because he's accustomed to someone taking a charge and that's and like there are people like that they like someone telling them what to do and like there's nothing Mm. wrong with that but it's just I need him I just want to give him a hug and the thing is is like I just want to give him a hug I'm like like, Hector just I just want to give him a puppy and a farm where he can raise all Mm -hmm. all the reanimated animals he wants I'm just like somebody give the just just give him a puppy and some they oh, they referred to him as like a, a lost puppy and like the more that narrative is given like not narrative the more that description is given to him I see it in a way where like no he is truly looking for something like a found mm. family and I think he had that with Isaac he and did. Dracula to a certain yeah. degree but then that's what makes me think there's something deeper like him and Isaac have to have a oh, deeper bond so I am looking forward to them come there with them seeing each other again I want them to have an exchange I don't want Isaac to just kill no, him no I think they're gonna I have do a want, I, I do yeah I, I think they'll have it and I want by then for Hector and it's it's just so sad because he like we said like he wants to be loved and accepted and he wants to be recognized mm. and like I think he deserves he that but oh baby he be looking for art on all the wrong yeah, places yeah he's like just let's make some cages for the humans to feed the vampires I'm like I'm not agreeing with that but you, you you're not trying to wipe out all the humanity so there's that but that's it he was just trying to save some of like, them just making them into food I'm like that's as good as he's gonna get let's just like I don't and I don't think of Hector necessarily as no he's just doing what he the the thing is is like for him that he was trying to find a compromise in the whole situation but that's again I don't want him in that situation period I just want him to get a farm and raise Mm -hmm. some animals and he will be happy I want the show when it ends one of the final shots will be him on a farm surrounded by a bunch of puppies and goats and sheep and maybe even some kids because I think he'd actually be pretty good with kids and like just like I, I think I he will be like, he let him be like the school like like, like the, the the sweet uncle this this is what he deserves and yeah. you know and I, I, I'm sure there's already know. fan fiction written with him and Isaac having some kind of romantic relationship which honestly I don't see that for them Could be. I see them more as like uh, brothers I see them as brothers yeah I'm not... I don't see them as like romantic no, I mean I feel like serving in Dracula's court they should just like I just feel like they have more of a brotherly bond it's... versus a romantic mm-hmm. bond but you know what we could be I, surprised yeah, come season 4 um, but again are they, we, that's what I want know. but like season 3 was really good Alucard I know how it ends and I know it's gonna break mm-hmm. hard I'm like my bae my boo my, my, I call him my I call him my alube or bae card alube and bae or bae card I call him like he's my vampire bae and it's like <laughs> I don't want that ending for him I don't want him to become his dad if therapy was a thing if therapy was a thing at that time I feel like any, if anybody needs it more than you know Isaac not Hector, Isaac Hector it's Alucard more than um Hector it's Alucard you know what that's the thing like he 
keep it. Keep it. The cast was Alucard. Like the three. Like they at the end of like just make them all into one big fun family. Alucard is there, and like and like he will be sitting down talking with Hector, and puppies will come running up to them, and then you have Sifa and Trevor with their kids, and it's just like all one big happy ridiculous dysfunctional oh, family. Girl. That's all I want. That's what I want at the end of Castlevania. I just want at the end of all this death and mayhem. For I'm not even gonna tell you about the video game. I know the game turns just, into craziness. You know, I know. I know the game is just like crazy. Oh yes. Uh, like, no, I just want all yes. of them. I just want Sifa and Trevor to like take their kids to Uncle Alucard, and like Isaac is there running like the country or whatever. I do want that. And I just <laughs> honestly, as long as Trevor and Sifa are not dead. And Alucard is like some form in their lives as like you know he's still like, like he's as like a friend. Uncle. He, he's I want uncle that. To their yeah. kids. That's what I want. I want that. Uncle Alucard. I want that. I know some people. Kate has put Thrumple mm-hmm. into my mind for Alucard and Trevor and Sypha, and now I can't get that out of my I mind see it. because I'm like, I can see it. I can totally see it, and now I kind of want it. But I'm also cool as long as those three know, don't like, die. I really need them I not know, to the die. So that the part that hurts my heart is when he starts talking to the little dolls. He made a little Alucard and Sifa dolls. I'm yeah. like, oh, and he's talking. I'm like, Alucard, he's so lonely. There's a cut scene where they decided the team because they put it out there on Twitter where they decided to um, before they were dolls, they were like turnips. <laughs> And they just sat in the corner, and then he was talking to turnips. I'm like, that's I even don't know sadder. What said that's now. sadder. No, I want, I want him to do that like, I just want him to do like a little scene where you see him making the dolls. Like that would be so funny. You just mm-hmm. see him making these little dolls. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. but I look at no, honestly, again, we love the show. Yeah. I, we love everything about the show. Season three is yes. amazing. If you've never watched it, watch season one, season so two. Good. Season three is amazing. Can't wait to see where they take it. I just need Hector to get a backbone, mm-hmm. shove a stake through Lenora's heart, Carmilla to fall off a deep, deep chasm and die. And yep. everyone to get there. Yep. Carmilla can die. The other vampires, the two, the couple, um, Striga and... I want them to be fine. I like but the things they have to keep killing humans though, because that's how they live. That's the only problem with the whole situation. I think they'd be fine. They're they're a great power couple. I think they'd be I fine I eating animals. Have, you know, they'd, they'd be fine getting their blood from animals. It's Carmilla who's all like, I'm, I'm fine like, with them doing whatever they want. I like that. I like them as a couple. I want to, I want to see them have a show. Striga has very big <laughs> arms, and they just look so cute together, holding hands and talking mm-hmm. about schemes and. They, that, that's goals for vampires and I'm just saying if, if we had to be ruled by a power couple let it be those two because I feel like they got some sense whereas Carmilla is just drunk yeah. on power and I think those two are the ones who have it like the actual like have some sense I mean Lenore gets the job yeah. done but you know I just I love I love that too I love that couple also every moment with Trevor and Cypher this season Gave yes. me life. I just feel like I have to say that again. I said it on the Did You Have To review of Castlevania. This is what I wanted. And I just thank you again, Powerhouse team. We love the show. And obviously, as you can see, we cannot say mm-hmm. enough about it. So good. Um, okay. So before we go on too much longer, you ready to dive into Kingdom? Because I know you got uh, thoughts. Yes. And okay. So I'm just going to read the brief synopsis and then we're going to get into season two of Kingdom. Yes. So. After Prince Chime breaks into Myungon Seje in a nightmare unfolds, officials search the Queen's home, suspecting she is hiding something. When Cho Hakju is taken from his custody, Prince Chime goes after him. Sophie looks for a way to treat the disease. So, now, if you've seen season one of Kingdom, and you should, because there will be spoilers, mm-hmm. um, yep. <clears throat> we all saw how, how Kingdom and season one ended. And it ended with the mist rising, 
the sun is up, it's cold, mm-hmm. and the zombies are out and about. And Sophie, yep. played by um, Beduna, she realizes, ah, shit, it's not, it's not, this, it's not the sun that has been keeping them outside. It's the, that has been keeping them um, hidden. It's the temperature. And at the same time, mm-hmm. Prince Chai is coming to the realization, like, oh, shit, they're up and it's daytime. What the hell is mm-hmm. going on? So season one ended with him literally looking at the gate and then looking back at the camp, kind of like breaking a fourth wall. And season three, mm-hmm. season two picks up from there. No, it doesn't like this. This the very first moment in this episode. Episode one doesn't exactly start from that moment. It kind of gives a little bit more backstory into how the virus came to be in the city. But like I would say, like within three minutes, they get back to that very same scene where season one ended. And I actually really like that they did that mm-hmm. because this they, they didn't film the seasons consecutively. Um, there was actually a break in between filming, which so the fact that they were even able to pick back up exactly in that spot and like everything looks the same was mm. like super impressive. Um, right. So Prince Chang, um, played by Ju Ju Hoon, uh, he's so cute. He's so fine. Um, he's amazing. Mm-hmm. So this season is just not even I balls to the wall action like the action is like way better than in season one like this action sequences are like way better choreographed um the cinematography is amazing the um the acting again is is just great because the thing with this show is I I like I like the same thing that I mentioned with Invisible Man. I love when atmosphere you can feel the atmosphere that the characters are going through. Like you feel the tension and you feel the anxiousness that they feel when they are when when mm-hmm. they're, they're they're like trying to figure out what to do with this situation because they knew how to handle the situation when the when the the monsters were like hidden during the during the daytime because they're like okay during the day we have like we have like what a good eight nine hours of sunlight to get shit done if we need to get food if we need to prep supplies if we need to um build fortifications we have this limited window we have nine hours to do it while the sun is still up but now because they're outside the the monsters are outside during the day they're like we can't do things like we were doing before and like i love how the characters are like figuring shit out and one thing i love about Mm -hmm. Um, Kingdom is one of the reasons I love Train to Busan. And that is when they make a plan, right? everyone sticks to the plan. Things work because mm-hmm. people listen to the person with common sense. People listen to the person who is making plans. People listen to the person who's like, this is how we're going to get things done. And they will be like, we will do what you say. Whether it's the prince, whether it's Soapy, mm-hmm. whether it's... um. The, the 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 general they're like we will listen right. to you it's not about p- <laughs> well that's what's so big and like they listen to yes. the woman they listen mm-hmm. to Sobi like cause she she knows what she's mm-hmm. talking about and the fact that the prince trust her intelligence mm-hmm. I was just this is groundbreaking y'all are listening to the woman during the crisis finally I mean I know it's happened in some things but sometimes it's just like fo- so frustrating where like the woman gets ignored yeah. for like having intuitions or like trying to speak of something factually and then everyone ignores her and then wait until all the bloodshed mm-hmm. happens no this so, no, sorry I didn't mean to no, interrupt, didn't no, mean no, interrupt you it's true because like everyone listens to her like and this and the, and the thing that makes this great because it's a period drama it's a Sega and so this is like 
in an era when women necessarily wouldn't have main values for for their um mm-hmm. for for just being women their opinions wouldn't have been valued but for in this show um which is one of the reasons i love um what the writer kim um kimuni has done is she has had she has created characters mm-hmm. where it doesn't matter your gender like people listen to you right. and 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 the thing is is like Sophie, she's one of the smartest, if not the smartest person in the show because she figures things out like quickly and the way how she processes information and the way she's like, okay, if this is happening, this is likely to happen. So then this is what will happen. And like people are like, okay, well, if this is what you think we're going to happen, we're going to do whatever you say to do to prevent whatever the outcome, the possible outcome will be. And everyone is working towards the same goal, survival and figuring what the hell is going on. And they all, and no, no egos are, well, with, at least with our heroic group, like ego doesn't play into the, into the um, equation. Like the, and like Chang might be the, the crown prince, but he, he doesn't care about his, his station. Like everyone does show him deference mm-hmm. and respect because that is his position. They're like, you're the crown prince and we will respect your authority. But he's like, that is it. Like I'm not leading because this is necessary only because I'm a prince, but because I want people to survive period. And he's like, I'm looking after my people and I want mm-hmm. to survive. And people listen to him, not only because he's a prince, but because what he's saying makes sense. Right. Right. And of course there's betrayal. Right. Like, there were a couple of betrayals. I'm like, no, come on. But it works and it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's some character. That's the thing with season. The, the thing with this show is, and the thing with like any Korean, most Korean dramas, like when a car, a major character dies, like you don't see it coming. Mm-hmm. And like, I said it was kind of like Game of Thrones, the first season of Game of Thrones, where, like, you couldn't bet on anyone surviving. Like, even the Crown Prince, like, yeah, he is the lead of the mm-hmm. show, but who's to say that he's going to survive this thing, like, fully intact? He had some close he calls. Prince. He had some really close exactly. calls. And I'm like, who's to say he wasn't going to end up with a leg or arm missing? Because this is completely plausible in this world. Well, like, <laughs> I did not think his right-hand man was going to die. I'm like, what? I... That one pissed me off, but you know what? The more I thought about it, once you realize that his wife was dead, I was kind of like, "Oh shoot, he's gonna have such devastation." And then I like, she's not. I think no, she's not. You don't think she's the spoilers, people? Wait, this is gonna be a spoiler from here, a major spoiler. So I'm gonna give you like ten seconds to fast mm-hmm. forward so I'm gonna say like like and like fast forward for like a minute if you don't want to hear the spoiler but in the final episode they remember there's the little boy who's the new who's the new um the new king remember there's a scene where he's walking yeah. on the on the path with his um courtier and then there's like the concubines and the women and the handmaidens walking next to them going in the opposite direction oh my one God. of those women is his mother the yes. one that looks back is his mom <gasps> oh my yes. God. I missed that no, scene. That's his mama. I need to go back and rewatch <laughs> it. Oh my god! I thought she had her killed because all the you know what, but we never saw Listen, her body. This, we just assumed uh, that she's dead. This is rule one of a Korean drama, people. If you don't see them die on screen, mm-hmm. they ain't dead. They're not dead. They ain't dead. You right? And that, but that's why another spoiler. Y'all know what kind of show this is because y'all don't need more any warnings at this point. I knew the prince wasn't mm-hmm. dead. Like. That how the like first off I know we're like we're kind of fast forwarding here but like I just knew it made he wasn't going to like kill himself 
off. Listen, that I, was I thought well. maybe I like, oh, I legit thought he was going to kill himself because I've seen that crap happen in like K-dramas. I have close. seen it happen in K-dramas because close. they'll be like, we're going to kill your ass then. And I'm like, that's completely possible because then who knows this third season mm-hmm. Sobe would be the new, I'm like, it's possible they could have jumped forward like 15 years and we see the and we see the new, um, his little brother who's the new king as like a teenager ruling the, the, the throne, right? That's completely possible. Yeah. Like, I fully expected him to mm-hmm. kill himself. I could it totally could have been a thing and that could have been something they decided but I like what they did mm-hmm. better and like we know that he's yep. alive and then finding out that he's investigating the source like he knows because the man is smart and he got Sue by him she's smart and they're investigating the source and where these things are coming yes. from and that made me scream because I honestly when had he killed himself I'm gonna say it maybe two episodes before the finale and it's only six episodes this season I think that was the same as last yeah. season and you would think that this was gonna be it for kingdom like even up until like the last episode until the final reveal that there is somebody who's been creating the zombies yes they're doing it intentionally yeah. and that you see the ending with the, with the little boy uh, i'm like you bastard yes but i have a theory oh, i have no. a theory i'm thinking mm-hmm. that he's thinking what's that they use that they can use this to control him because he was bitten so he, mm. he has so he has the bite so i'm thinking that they injected a worm into him to make him uh kind of like a half zombie but my guess is is that because mm. my guess is they're going to try because he's a child they're going to try to control him again this is a, a, a kind of a, not a trope but this is pretty common in like Sega um, in Sega film I see dramas it. where like there's always some manipulative bastard trying to control the, 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 the throne and the kingdom through the through the mm-hmm. king and because he's a child he'd be even more manipulative yeah. and no one else knows what's going on and but I'm thinking that he and the and the prince and and Chang are immune, or have some kind of immunity Ooh. to the zombies. I'm thinking that anyone who ha- who was bitten and survives is gonna have some kind of immunity mm-hmm. because the, it was revealed that it's caused by a worm. And like as long as you're alive, mm-hmm. when they push you into the water, that's how that's how, and they come out. That means you're you're alive. So I'm guessing that the people who that happened to and they survive, that they're gonna have some kind of immunity. Mm-hmm. And I really hope that because like there's um cause like his um like you know like um Chohakju, which is like, you know, the guy with the long hair, mm-hmm. that happened to him and like a couple of the other people that survived. And so like they're they're in yeah. his, they're in like um Chang's entourage, you're the ones who are going around with him and Sobi trying to figure mm-hmm. out what's going on. And I'm looking forward to seeing them next right. next season fighting. And I'm like, oh imagine like these like kind of like vampire zombie immune badass fighters. Like that would be amazing. That would be great. Honestly, I would love to see that. Like, especially maybe even if it's just that like, she finally figures out that they're immune to it. That would be so bad. Um, that would be so good. I just, I would, I would, I would love to see that because that's a good point. Because I wonder if the worm. So I'm debating. I first thought that the worm had just stayed dormant in mm. him until his brain reached a certain level of maturity, and then that's when the worm decided to hatch out of his skin and then go to his brain. But I like your theory of somebody injecting him with a worm so that they can did try to redo what they did before. This is what happened in the ending. Mm-hmm. Remember, the worm does come up when Sobe dumps in the water because she, like, she saw the worm come up. But did you not see the part where the man injected the worm mm-hmm. into his air? 
Oh, I didn't see a man in jail. I saw no. the man that the man was kneeling oh, there and watching No, there's a scene. So I don't okay, so you know what? You need to go back and watch the last episode. Oh, I missed it. Uh, I need to rewatch it again like, then. Is it a I need to make sure it's I didn't not, not even it. a post-credit scene. There's a, and it was pretty quick, but it happens when he's Mm-mm. sleeping. And the, the same guy who's his um his the his head eunuch, um, those are the men who were in green, mm-hmm. those are eunuchs. He takes a worm out of a thing and puts it on his um, his on his head, and it goes into his head. It goes into his brain. Mm. Wait, I saw it go from his arm, his arm though. From his because the camera focuses. Okay. Yeah, the the camera focuses on his but arm bite that he head. got from when but he was a baby. Up to his head. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, no, you, it goes from the bite up to his head. So if you saw where like the man injected it into yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm gonna That's just rewatch it again. No, they, either they, way, they, the foolish, the foolish cycle continues. I don't mind. And we're gonna have a. I don't mind either. I, I crave it because it's something about having. It's like it's in the reverse where people are trying to protect the most mm. powerful from the invasion or from like the infection, where it is now reversed. Where the most powerful is the epicenter but, of the like infection. Because remember, thing with the king. The king, remember they used they yeah, play the king and everything. Oh, it started right, and it started with, the, and that's the thing. That's what I like about it is that like it's the reverse of what like happens in mm. some things where people are trying to keep the most powerful oh, and the yeah. rich and like um, like safe from the infection. But like in, with the kingdom, they flip it on its head, and it's the ones who are most powerful that start the infection. I mean, that's that's another thing, but you know, what I mean, like they're the epicenter. Oh, yeah, for sure of the ones who are infected first and it spreads out and then like of course we know like how it first started where like there was the famine and mm. the dead bodies and people ate the dead bodies and it's just woo, so yeah. gruesome i just love this one and, so much and i really so like how the science is explained where i'm um, so be she was like okay so when it first started uh-huh. like you had to you you weren't bitten she was like you had to be injected with you had to be injected or you, they use acupuncture needles to take the essence from the resurrection yeah. or they put it into your glob um your gablanum or is it the gablanum gabula it's anyway it's a it's a thing in the front front of your forehead and yeah they're showing the, the beginning of the credits it's, like and it's like i can ne- i can never get oh, enough of seeing love, the process because it's it's so detailed. i love the intro for the show it's so artistic it's so beautiful and i'm always like i call it like a is beautifully grotesque because it looks so artistic yes. and it looks like um you see the smoke and the close-ups of the the costumes and like everything and then mm-hmm. you realize what the hell is going on. you're like oh shit this is pretty gruesome because this is a zombie being made yep. and and it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty and I love that but also um, so we're gonna wrap it but I I also have to say I have to give a, a shout out to um, Kim Hye Jun she plays the Queen Cho she was amazing like I hated uh, her guts and I yes. can I always have to like any actress or actor that makes me hate their character's guts and they're meant to be hated because they're villains I always mm-hmm. gotta give my respect to because she played the hell out of that role and I'm like you yeah. you are who Sir she wishes she could be because she committed fully to her evilness and she wasn't a caricature because mm-hmm. the thing with Cersei Cersei eventually became a character for a caricature of herself like I couldn't take her serious anymore mm-hmm. whereas with Queen Cho I'm like this bitch is crazy right up to legit the very ending she started 
making a lot of missteps and I think she just decided to sit in she her you know sit in her she shit did. she literally did she's like I, I did it I'm gonna sit here and own it and I'm like you crazy heifer but props to you cause right. you, you own it I mean I, I get if you're gonna own your mess ups but you still ended up on the throne Okay. Yeah, but nah, she was she was amazing. Cool. Like they, she had this dead eye stare, and like mm-hmm. she had this I don't give a f kind of look to her, and I'm like, she didn't care. I'm like, Kimmy the Jen, that's good for you. Like, you did it. You did. You came and did what you had to do. Um, she did what she had to do, and she just like, and at the end of the day, this was all about her proving. Like it, it, it felt like she felt like the need to still prove herself to her father, but then it turned into her just like, nope. I did yeah, this. because because the thing like, yeah because yes, the thing did. is with her is like she was being under so okay so this is the difference between her and Sobi so the thing is they're both strong female mm-hmm. um, characters and they they both have like their ideas and plans oh, yeah. of how they want things to go and how things should be done but the thing the difference between her and Sobi is Sobi is respected by the men around her and they listen to her and they value mm-hmm. her opinion her gender does not matter whereas the um, Queen Cho her father. Who was one? Who's like the architect yeah. of all of this madness? He didn't listen to her. Mm-hmm. He didn't respect her at all because even though she had amazing um like ideas, even though they're like evil, they're still like pretty good like plans. He didn't respect her because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, she's still a woman. At the end of the day, she's a vessel. All right. he cared about is that she's the queen, and her job is to get pregnant and carry and carry and give birth to the son. next heir, right? And that's mm-hmm. all he cared about. And she was right. like, at the end, at the end, she like the reason all of this is the reason you're gonna fall, your downfall is because you underestimated me simply because I'm a woman. And I thought that was amazing because there's yep. a line where she, she legit tells him that she like you underestimated me, you didn't believe you didn't believe I could do it, but guess what? I'm gonna do this just to spite you. And that's like that's mm-hmm. like an amazing thing. We have these two strong women, and then like they have. They're surrounded by all of these men, and you see the differences in mm-hmm. and how and and what getting respect can do for them, and what and how much respect meant to them, right? Um, and mm-hmm. it's it just like really good. I really love season two. I can't wait to see season three. I know Netflix is gonna more than likely greenlight a season three, but I need them to greenlight a season four at the yeah. same time. Um, because the thing with K with yeah, I need the thing it. with Korean drama actors is like they they have they can have very their their schedules can change like in like a day. Like if they they can mm-hmm. if they got a good script, they'll be like, okay, I'm gonna do this show. Like I know Beduda as soon as she finished um filming season two, she started filming season mm-hmm. two of another show called Forest or um is it the, the mm-hmm. it has to do a Stranger or Secret Forest, which I love. I love season one is so good. Um, but they and then um. Juji Hoon, he is in another show called Hyena, which is on Netflix. And actually, all of them, all of the actors oh, yeah. are. Oh, and the guy who plays um, Boom Pal, which is the which which is the um, the queen's cousin, you know, the guy that always follows Sobi, he's actually in Hyena with Juji Hoon too. So, uh, all of the actors are in other shows, and they will keep picking up shows. So I need Netflix to keep to come to these series. We will give me season three and four, so you can film it all one time. Um, but but yeah, I yes, think, I, so I, I think that's it. it. So um, how much did how, how long did we go today? Not too bad. Uh, we we're pretty good. We're still under one thirty. And yeah. yeah, so everyone, so those are our recommendations for March. March has been quite eventful, mm-hmm. and it will be eventful yep. going forward for the next time for the time being for everyone. So stay safe, stay indoors. If you if, um, don't go, so if you don't have to, yes. um, as again, wash your hands. Wash your hands, please. Cover your yep. faces. Well, cover your faces is already gonna do anything, but use the your elbow. 
Yes, elbow please hook. stay please. safe. Not your stay hands. indoors <laughs> if you do not have to be outside. Um, we will be mm-hmm. back for April. Cool. And again, you can hit us up on Twitter. Um, I'm at CarrieCNH12 mm-hmm. on Twitter and Instagram. And you can always hit me up if you want K drama or Asian drama recommendations. Um, Nisha can give you mm-hmm. recommendations for mangas and animes. And it's, it's what, what I do. Yes, what she do is what I do. <laughs> Um, and I think that's it so again everyone have a safe April Um, and Godspeed also you guys can find us at shwh underscore pod on Twitter hit us up there I think we have a lot of community watch nights coming up with the why though so I'll be joining in on some of those. Um, the if you by the time this episode comes out, you guys will hear it. So please feel free to go ahead and check out what's coming out or what we're going to be doing for the next two weeks. Because maybe there's a show that's going to pique your interest. There's some going to be some anime nights, some horror mm-hmm. nights. It's going to be fun, and I think we have a few K dramas even lined up mm-hmm. with Carolyn. So and that'll be fun. Yeah, and I'll be um, doing my as usual Saturday night sci-fi live tweets at 10 p.m. on Saturdays, yes. 10 p.m. Eastern, and. Um, you can follow my Twitter for and the hashtag to see what films and shows we will be live tweeting going forward. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. just keep in touch with us on Twitter and social media. And again, stay safe and Godspeed, people. Yes, stay yes. healthy. Bye. Bye, y'all.